I've, I've, I've seen these before. Things that were said in courtrooms. Can you guys hear me out the back okay? You're all yeah. good? Yeah. So these were actually written down in courtrooms. Um, attorney, how old is your son, the one living with you? Witness, 38 or 35, I can't remember which. How long has he lived with you? 45 years. <laughs> Attorney, now doctor, isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, he doesn't know about it until the next morning? Witness, did you actually pass the bar exam? <laughs> the youngest son, the 20 year old, how old is he? Witness, 20, much like your IQ, anyway. We'll leave, it, we'll leave it there. They're very funny. All right, I've, I've got to, I feel like God's going to um, set some people free today and the area of the renewed mind. We've talked about it before here. This isn't a new concept or a new thought, but I want to go a bit deeper and start a bit of a series on the renewed mind because I, I really believe that it is... I, I think we... We don't believe with our mind. We believe in our heart and confess Jesus as Lord. And he takes us from the domain of darkness and transfers us into the king's domain. And we go from being lost to being found. We go from being uncircumcised to circumcised. We go from being broken to made whole. We go from all of these things happen on being a born-again experience the day we're born again. We go from being children of the world and of the devil to children of God. And that's a one-time experience, much like the wedding day. It's a one-time event that happens. And then, then there's the journey and the discovery of who we have become, not a development of who we're trying to Get, uh, like we're not developing ourselves, we're discovering who we are, right? And the renewed mind proves that, proves this. And it's important. And I believe a lot of people struggle. They're like, I know I'm righteous. I know I'm holy now. I know I'm redeemed by God and I'm a, I'm a child of God, but I'm still struggling with these issues. And we look exactly like the world does. And it's a bummer because we've been made completely different and the renewed mind actually takes us on the journey of proving what God has done and um, I was actually with I was going to share this testimony I was with Andrew on what night was that Saturday night last week I'm in a different time zone this last few weeks this is Saturday night and Michelle was that was it is it Michelle she she's been a she's been saved six and a half months so I got saved in her bedroom and she was, they were sharing about outreach, that, that they did outreach and she, uh, Andrew's got some hope cards which just have a, a story of hope on there and she was giving it to this guy and he says, oh, it's no use to me, I can't read. So she prayed for the guy and he got completely healed and he could read, he read one John, is that what he read, or John 1? He read a whole verse of the Bible, so... We read, read the whole verse. In, on the streets of Warrigal, I was awesome. I've been celebrating that testimony all week. It's just amazing. And I'm excited about that. So, um, yeah, turn with me to uh, Romans 12, verse 1. But I feel like this is going to happen this morning. As we're reading Scripture and reading the Word, this verse stood out to me. I've been reading through Acts. And, you know, I don't... I don't read my Bible to preach ever. I've never done it in 10 and 12 years of preaching. I read my Bible to encounter God. And then out of that, I break off a little bit on Sunday morning to give to you guys. I don't read my Bible to be like, I'm going to come up with a sermon. I've just never done that. Occasionally, I've looked up scriptures because I want to know exactly where they are. But... I don't read to, I'm not against that if you do that and you're a preacher, but I, I don't read that 
I don't go to this to go, I'm going to find something clever to say on a Sunday morning. I would rather go, I'm going to break something off that God's doing in my life and has done in my life and share those truths with, um, with you guys. And, and so as I was reading this during the week, it says, Why Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And I just believe as we read the word today that the Holy Spirit is going to fall on people and people are going to be set free of mindsets even for a long, long time. Um, the world, the world, uh, I'm going to be careful what I say. Um, God has the answer to depression, anxiety. I'm not putting little, I'm not putting shame or guilt on anyone if you struggle with depression and anxiety, but Jesus has the answer. The world, religion will try and look for the problem. Jesus brings the solution. Religion will try to find where did this problem, you know, the man of the Gadareans. It's like the most demonized man in the Bible. Jesus didn't go through like where every demon had come from, where all the open doors were and all of those things. He just went, I'm going to set you free because I bring the solution. Uh, Romans 12. Are you guys alive? You awake? Okay. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word there is metamorphosized. It's just a cool word to say. Do not be conformed to this world, but be metamorphosized or transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the renewed mind proves the will of God. The word metamorphosize, you could say, uh, you know, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's the transformation that happens. And I'd like to propose as Christians, so often we're walking around going, well, I'm still struggling with this thing in my life, whatever it is, you fill in the blank, right? And any area of our life that we're not seeing life in, I would like to propose that it's not an old nature issue, it's a lie issue. Because the Christ Christianity is not, it's not so much a, a development as it is a discovery of what we've become. You couldn't become more like Jesus. He did it for you on the cross. When I know this might be like, well, this is basic 101 Christianity, but... We couldn't be like him. There's nothing we can add to the cross. Andrew's message at Easter Sunday was profound of, you know, we can't add to it. Jesus plus nothing is everything. It's enough, period. So the moment we get born again, John 1 says that we've been given the right to become children of God, not born of the will of man nor of flesh, but born of God. So we're born of God. So Jesus died spirit, soul, and body. He died spirit, he died soul, mind, will, emotions, and he died body to redeem your spirit, your soul, and your body. So now we're, we're baby Christians, or we're 10 years old, or we're 20 years old in the Lord, and we're now learning and discovering the, and we're going on this journey of meditation of, and I know that you, Christians freak out when you say that word, but it's like, no, we're meditating on, on, the, on who we have become so that we can prove the will of God. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. 
And I would like to propose that when areas of our life that aren't in fruit and aren't in life, it's because we are believing lies about those areas. And we haven't learned to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm telling you, when this was revealed to me uh, by the Lord maybe 10 years ago, the amount of things on the mind and on the knowledge of God and things like that that I started to see in Scripture, I was like, holy smokes, this is in here. Paul prayed so many prayers. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so you would know the knowledge and the hope which I've laid up, which God has laid up for you in heaven. It's like he, he prays that you'd have an understanding. Not just it, it, with the heart man believes, but the mind actually starts to come into alignment with how God thinks, responds, acts, and lives. I, I would like to propose that the renewed mind is the key to living the normal Christian life. Because we've been in a world, the word says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. What are the patterns of this world? You, we, can all, we could all rattle them off. Performance, anxiety, depression, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm unloved, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. I've got to, I've got to do to prove, I've got to do to become, I've got to do all these things. Whereas the renewed mind proves God's will. And what we have the best definition, I believe, in Matthew 6 of the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As Christians, I don't think we have a sinful nature anymore, period. It's not a, it's not a black and white. It's not like you're a little bit darkness and a little bit light. It's no, you've become the light of the world now. I'm not saying we're Jesus, don't hear what I'm not saying, but we are, we are now the light of the world. He says, you have become the light of the world. And he did a really good job of killing our old man. He just is a really good killer of sinful nature, right? Just does it. He killed us on the cross. We didn't just die. He didn't just die for us, but he died as us. And then he resurrected our new life. And I think as Christians... So often our struggle isn't with the old man. Our struggle is with we haven't learned who we've actually become in the new man. And we have sinful habits, not sinful nature. That's the difference. Really is the difference. This is, this is the gospel. The gospel isn't trying to get more. You, anyone that's married, I've said this before. I love this analogy. You don't become more married. The moment, your wedding day, your wedding night, the, the, the marriage is signed, sealed, delivered. And then the next day, you are married. From that day on, you're not becoming more married. You're learning how to have a great marriage with your wife or your husband. You can't become more married. It's impossible. You can't become more born again. You're born again. That was a one-time experience. But now the journey is discovering who you have become and Paul addresses this, Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7. He says 48 times, you're dead to sin, you're alive to God. I think he's trying to make a point. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, now, now I want to take you on a journey of do not be conformed to the patterns of this world any longer. A good one is, well, that person wronged me, so I should, I now am going to slay them with my words and gossip and do whatever. Well, as believers, we don't have that right. Our tongue is powerful. I'm not, this isn't me, I'm just, this is, I'm not having a go at anyone, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm saying we, we live in a different realm. Hmm. Matthew 16, I'm going to show you this. Matthew 16. Oh, where are we? I am convinced that God is far more interested in doing things with us and through us 
than he is doing things for us. He does things for us all the time. He's, he's just such a good father. But we know this. The first thing that the devil questions in the garden is the goodness of God. Did God really say, you shall not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And from that moment on, humanity has lived from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil versus the knowledge of the tree of life. There's a big difference living from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil as opposed to living from the fruit of the tree of life. It's his kindness that leads people to repentance. And the goodness of God gets questioned and then our experience, our experience then defines truth. Well, I had this experience, my experience is this and that defines truth as opposed to no, Jesus defines truth. He is the truth, he is the way, and he is the exact representation of the Father. I'm watching the Chosen series at the moment. I mean, if anyone watches, like, if you haven't watched it, please just watch it, all right? And I think I cry in every episode. Every episode, there's tears and shit, and I, oh, this is amazing. And, you know, where he says to Nathaniel, I'm going to ruin it for people if you haven't seen the second episode of season two. But don't ruin it. Anyway, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he comes back to life, you know. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm like, in that bit, the scene, the scene with Nathaniel, and he sees you, he says, I saw you. And he's a greater works are you going to see. You're going to see the Son of Man. Angels, it's just like, oh. You know, the, the, the Cana story, that's not my time, but I'm going to turn water into wine. You know, it's, it's a man, Jesus as a man in right relationship with God, modelling to his disciples, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not like the world, it's like this, me. So in the Christian life, when we have an experience that doesn't marry up with the truth of who Jesus says we are or who Jesus says God is, we don't have the right, we don't have the right to, we don't have the right to change Jesus based on our experience and call it God. We just don't. We don't have that liberty. We have to come back, Jesus is the truth about God and then let that determine truth out of my life. And if I'm not experiencing that, that's okay. There's no guilt, shame or condemnation for those who are in Christ. But we go on this journey of discovering, okay, what does it look like for my mind to be so renewed in the things of the Spirit of God that I don't even have to consciously think about things. I respond naturally the way Jesus would. Matthew 16, Jesus, you know, from that time, it says in verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I love it, Peter. God bless that man. Rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus that is, get behind me, Satan. It's pretty intense. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Did you catch it? Yeah. You are setting your mind on the things of man, not on the things of God. The mind at war with God is demonic in nature. Wow. It is. It's there. The mind at war with God is rooted in the worldly system, which is rooted in the demonic. Uh, Paul calls it witchcraft in Galatians. That's intense. 
I'm not, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about a mindset, right? I'm talking about our natural mindset is this as opposed to the way that God wants, uh, the way that God wants to show us and renew our mind. This is good news, right? That you shouldn't leave, oh, well, I'm, I, I'm doing all of those things that Liam talked about. It's like, okay, that's, that's, that's okay. God wants to take that mindset and transform it so you prove the will of God, right? Paul says, he says, who may instruct God? And then the next verse he says, ha oh, guess what? We have the mind of Christ. It's good news. You have the mind of Christ, right? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? It's, this is riddled throughout. Go with me to Mark 6. We're going to read a story. I'll try and do it in a quick time to prove and show this. What Jesus tries to teach us. Because we now get to eat from the tree of life. Which is good. (laughs) You know, I talk to people all the time and... They say, oh, Liam, I get what you're talking about when you talk about righteousness. And you talk about, I get what you're, you're, what you're saying is I'm a positional, I'm positionally righteous. Like it's, it's positional, it's not actual, it's not reality. One day it will be, but right at this moment, it's an ongoing process of I'll throw out a theological term of sanctification. And I said to this person, it happened about three, four months ago, I did a conference at a, did a camp, and this guy said, it's positional. And I said, well, you weren't a positional sinner, you were a sinner. You were a sinner, we all were. It wasn't positional, it was actual. It's why Jesus came. He said, I've come that, you may, that I may take away the sins of the world. John said, behold, the Lamb of God who does that, takes away the sin of the world. So we went from a sinner to a saint, not positional, actual. Um, if I grab Maddie, come up here for a sec. I've used this analogy before, but often if, if, if you just stand there, Paul said, you know, we've often put the, the, the picture as, Jesus is standing in front of me and thank goodness Jesus is standing in front of me because if God really saw how I am, he would be so not well pleased with me. But the reality is if Jesus, if this is Jesus, he actually lives inside my body now, right? Okay, you can grab a seat. Thanks, buddy. Get inside my body now. (laughs) Um, He lives inside me and I died. I was buried with Christ and then I was resurrected with Christ, and I now have the new nature of with Christ in me. And when God looks at me, he sees fully me, fully Liam, the way I'm supposed to be, the way I'm supposed to design for in relationship with God. And I can now boldly approach the throne room of God and come into relationship with God The reality is I lived the life of 14, 15 years thinking like the world thinks and now I have to go on the journey of renewing my mind to think like the kingdom of my father thinks so I can prove the will of God in my life. My prayer for four and a half years was, God, show me who I am so that I can prove the will of God. Honestly. Four and a half years, praying that prayer daily, and I'm still in that prayer. (laughs) It's an ongoing, that's the ongoing discovery. We never arrive in that sense. There's always more to discover of God's nature. Always more. I can be content in this moment right now, but I'm also hungry for more of God. Right? Do do you get, you, you getting what I'm putting down? Okay. All right. Okay. Yep. So why is this important? It's important because, we're going to get to Mark 6. It's important because the issue is not an inside job anymore. 
in a, in a heart thing. I get the prayer of less of me, more of you. I understand the heart behind it. I understand the meaning behind it. I understand the concept of it. But as a believer now in Christ, it's, I ha you had none of me, God. So I want to give you all of me, my mind, my will, my emotions, my feelings, all of me consumed by all of you. And he kills the old nature and resurrects himself inside of me. So he has, Paul says it this way, he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He had none of you, he wanted all of you, and he wants your mind renewed. It was a good prayer that John the Baptist prays, but it's, it's, it's not the prayer that we, we pray a different prayer. Hmm. All right, Mark 6, we're going to run through this really quick. Um, Jesus, verse 30. Oh, no, actually, we'll start at verse 7. I'm going to paraphrase some stuff. And he called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And then in verse 13, it says, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Do you know the word repent means, it comes from the two words, re, which means um, to go back, re, to go back, and pent, penthouse. So when we repent, we go back to the top. Good news. Change your mind. Change your mind about this world. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And notice it was the disciples that did that with Jesus, not... Yeah? Okay, then they go, verse, go down to verse 30. They feed the 5,000, right? I'm going to paraphrase the story. Um, so they feed the 5,000. We know the story that people were tired they were weary. You know, the disciples, they'd just done some ministry with Jesus. They'd been going town for town, for town, town to town. And then they're like, these guys are, just, uh, are really tired. And we don't know, but we can get a picture of here. The disciples are like, let's send them away because Jesus said, let's have some quiet time together. And I'm sure the disciples were probably wrecked. And they were like, let's just tell them to go into town and get some food. And Jesus responds, you feed them. You feed them. They're like, should we give them money so they can go away again? Like, let's try again to get them to go. And he says, you feed them. And they said, well, we've only got a few loaves and fishes. And he goes, okay, that'll do. Renewed mind. That'll do. In my kingdom, that's enough. Okay, let's pray. Then he distributes it to the disciples to give out. Right? It's very important. Then he walks on water just casually and then, um, <clears throat> but we'll read this bit because it's important. He sends them off. He stays behind. They're in the boat and we'll go down to verse, so chapter 6 of Mark down to verse 50. For they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Did you catch it? And it says, a verse before that, it says, Jesus intended to walk on by. It says, Jesus intended to walk on by. He gets into the boat and he calms the winds and the waves and they were astounded. And they, he says, they did not understand about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Then if we go down to uh, chapter 8 of Mark, we're going to tie this together. A great crowd, verse 1, gathered again. And this is the other story of the feeding of the, of the uh, 4,000. Same thing happened. They broke the seven loaves. They broke the bread. Uh, they broke the fish. They gave it out and multiplied. 
Then the, verse 11, then the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them and got into the boat again and went to the other side. I love, I love that Jesus says that after he's just multiplied food. <laughs> I've just done a sign. You want a sign because you want to, your heart's not right. I'm not going to give you one. Right, but then he's just, and then he just does another miracle. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Right now, listen to this, verse fourteen. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, "Watch out, beware of the leaven of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod." And they began discussing with one and one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive? This is important that you catch this. Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And seven for the 4,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? Let's, let's go through it. Jesus, they're doing ministry. He sends them out two by two. They come back. They're like, Jesus, demons obey us. They leave. And he goes, yeah, I watched as Satan fell like lightning. It's amazing. Good job. Well done. Now let's go and have a rest time in the boat. Let's go and have a rest time. And all these people just flock Jesus and they're like, man, send them. Just get rid of them. I just want to have some quiet time with you. And he says, you feed them. He goes, we don't have enough money. We couldn't feed. They'll be tired when they go home. And he says, all right, what have we got? We've got some loaves. We've got some fishes. Let's pray. And I want you to distribute the food. Then they get into a boat. He walks on water. And he intended to pass them by and he gets in the boat and he says, you didn't perceive what I just did with the loaves and the fishes. Then he gets into the boat again and they're arguing about do they not have enough bread? They've just watched their king multiply bread twice and feed over 4,000 people twice. And now they're arguing that, oh, Peter, did you bring the bread? No, John, you, no, Mark, you. Oh, my goodness, we only have one loaf. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm, be aware of the leaven of Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Be aware of the religious spirit and be aware of the political spirit. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world that think like mere men and ways that seem right to a man but lead to death. And then he says, do, have, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember what I've just done? Okay. Jesus wants to, he's training He's training his disciples how to think like him. The loaves and the fishes was not so much about the multiplication of food as it was about, I want to do things with and through you so that the next time there's a miracle that is needed for you to feed 4,000 people or we're in a boat or it's I want you to know the spirit of God in such a way that you can prove the will of God. That you can actually outwork the spirit of God because the Bible says it's in you not like a river, not like a lake. The spirit of God is in you and he wants to come out. He wants to get out of you, not to leave you. (laughs) But he wants to, the renewed mind, Romans 12, proves the will of God. So we have a situation here where there's been a multiplication of food. What does that tell you about the nature of God? He cares. He's kind. He feeds people. 
He can take something in the natural and make it multiply it in the spiritual and then manifest in the natural. Right? Every time we see a miracle or we see something of the nature of God in the life of Jesus, we, we need to take that and let it transform our mind to think like he thinks. So that the next time we're faced with a situation maybe similar, we have the answer. Because our mind's been renewed. So it can prove the will of God. If you have a money forgers, they will tell you that they don't study the false. They study the real. So that when they see the false, they can identify it. Yeah? So counterfeit checks, counterfeit notes, whatever. They study the authentic and the reality so that when they see false, they can prove that it's false. Lies. They can prove lies. That's a lie. That doesn't belong here. The Bible says that loose what is loosed in heaven, bind what is bound in heaven. We're going to close with this. The renewed mind, Romans 12.1, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. What is Jesus says? Do not give yourselves to the leaven of Pharisees, the leaven of Herod, but be transformed by the renewed mind. His whole point of Jesus' ministry was to show what his father's like. That's his whole point. His point was, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what my father is actually like. Everything he did was so that our minds would be so renewed. We'd believe on him. We'd confess with our heart, believe he's our Lord and Savior. But then we'd get our minds so renewed so that we could actually prove what he's done. And the next time we face a lie that comes out, we go, I've studied the authentic so thoroughly that a lie comes against you and I say, hang on, that thing, that's cancer. That doesn't belong here. Because he said, bind what is bound in heaven. Okay, cancer doesn't exist in heaven, so it shouldn't exist on earth. Loose what is loose in heaven. Okay, that thing, that thing, that depression over my life, that addiction that I've been struggling with my whole life. Okay, I need to get the reality of the renewed mind of God so that that thing that I'm dealing with right now this, this leaven in my life that is, is trying to rob me of freedom because the devil's come to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life abundantly, right? So if it's not abundant life that's, that's in that thing in your life, a lot of life's there. If it's not that thing in your life, it's like, okay, there's not a condemning thing. It's not a heart issue that needs to change. It's the mindset that needs to change. So where that thing, I can look at it and then say, hang on, that thing... That is not who I am. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. And it's not what defines my life anymore. This defines my life. Jesus defines my life, right? So I'm going to loose that thing. I'm going to bind that thing. I'm going to renew my mind till I prove the will of God, which is the renewed life. Every miracle, every act of God, everything that Jesus did in our own life and in the scriptures should lead us into a greater revelation of his kindness and goodness. So the next time we see something, we go, I know he heals this because I've seen it. Or I know he brings breakthrough with finances. Or I know he brings freedom from depression. Or I know he brings freedom from anxiety. Or I know he can take a reconciled life and restore it and make it brand new. And here's a broken situation that I don't, that shouldn't belong because it's not the will of my father. And I have been given the permission to cancel the assignment of the devil. I have been given that. And I think as Christians for, for too long, we're like, well, Jesus, if you want, he wants to, he wants to. It's why he died. 
He died to set people free. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. His goodness isn't up for debate. He's like, I want to set captives free. I want to bring peace to the brokenhearted. I want to renew people's minds. I want them. It's his, the question isn't on debate. I mean, just look at the cross. That's enough. That's enough. Just look at the cross. So it's not, that's not up for debate. It's like he wants to. And I believe he's saying so often, he's like, I want to do it through you. I want you to take the loaves and the fishes and distribute it by your hands. I want, I want you to recognize the kingdom and my world and the way it thinks. It thinks counterculture to the world around us. To the leaven of Herod, political spirit. The leaven of Pharisees. The religious spirit. And do you know leaven? Once it's cooked, Jalil taught me this. Once it's cooked and baked in the oven, it doesn't matter what you do, whatever is on the inside is what's on the inside. And we've been given the leaven of the kingdom. So you can, roll that dirt, you can roll that dough and that bread in dirt and sin and all you want. It doesn't actually affect the internal reality unless we let it. I believe we're going to go on a massive journey of this because I, I really believe the renewed mind, it does. It does. It proves the will of God. It, just, it does do it. And I, I just, I, I just, I hate, I hate depression, hate anxiety. I've been there. And I'm a little bit fearful of some things, not here, but that I'm seeing in Christianity where we will, we're taking things and making them God based on our experience and we're calling it God because we want Jesus to fit into our reality as opposed to we fit into his. And if we're not careful, we will make God in our image versus we're created in his. And the renewed mind is the key to this, I really believe it. That we take every thought captive through the obedience of him, not the obedience of Liam. I don't have the right to change the subject. I, I might not demonstrate the will of God always in the best way, but it doesn't give me the right to change the subject still. We might not get it right all the time. It still doesn't give me the right to change the subject. <laughs> the subject is still your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the will of God. He said, bind what is bound in heaven, loose what is loosed in heaven. So I might suck at it at times, and we might not get it right, but it still doesn't give me the right to change the subject. <laughs> and I believe as a church, I believe this is for our community. If you're visiting with us, you can have that for free as well. But I believe we're going to go on a journey of the renewed mind that actually... It so comes into alignment of the king's domain, the way he thinks, responds, and acts, that it, it become it become normal nature. It become normal nature of of things that maybe you've struggled with for years that you you don't. It, maybe you've tried use this as an example because I got set free of it, but struggled with lust and and that for for years. To the point where I went on this journey of the renewed mind and I can honestly say now, I don't struggle with lust. It's not that I don't, there hasn't been, not temptations different, right? You, yes. However, I can look at a woman with absolute purity in my heart and purity in my eyes and I don't have a lustful thought about her because the mind's been renewed to prove the will of God. It's not an arrogance thing and there's no shortcut to this. You've got to get alone in your bedroom. There's not a secret pill you take at night time. It's alone in your bedroom. Look him in the mirror. Face to f This is your mirror. This is what you've got. You don't have Facebook. You have this. You don't have the media. 
the news, it's not going to set you free. This will set you free. Right? Who the sun sets free is kind of free and sort of getting free. No, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Right? Then we get to live in the reality of that. And we're discovering that more and more. Where that's, that's the sanctification process. That is what a sanctification is. It means I'm discovering who I've become as a saint. That's what it means. That's the renewed mind. Why don't we stand? I believe God's going to set people free today. Sometimes the first step of freedom is to say to people, it's available. It's available. Bill Johnson says it best. He says, The transformed mind transforms the person. Transformed people transform cities. Transform cities transform nations. The transformed mind transforms the person. Transformed people transform a region. We are not, we've been given an opportunity, a time in history, we're not going to get it back, that I believe we are, we are called to. This isn't, this isn't a dress rehearsal. We get, we get to do this and we get to display the will of God through our lives everywhere we go. What a privilege that we get to display God. We get to prove his will. And Christianity isn't saying no to a bunch of different things. It's saying yes to a person. And I I haven't meant at all to to breed condemnation for anyone that's struggling with, with this or with depression or anxiety, anything like that. What I'll try and do every, every time I'm up here is pour salt on your tongue so that we become thirsty and hungry for the things of God and what is possible. Until we all are, are, are walking in the fullness that Jesus has for our life. And honestly, every week I pray this prayer that every person would come into this room and they would get their breakthrough. Every week I pray that prayer. God, every person that comes in would get the breakthrough that they need with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it happens in a one-time moment. People go, I had an encounter with God and I was free from that point on of worry, of whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Sometimes it is a journey, it is a process that we go through. I'll take both. We're going to pray in a sec, Simon's got a word. Yeah, I I believe there's a a significant number of us that are living in a holding pattern. And it's a holding pattern that's created by thought habits. And those thought habits are preventing us from living the life and the freedom and the outworking of God's plan in our lives. And it's the enemy's plan. And you know what's really cool about that? Weird choice of words, you might think. What's cool about that is it's the enemy's plan 
to keep you there. And why is that cool? It's because the enemy recognises your value if you are free. So that breakthrough is just there. He wants that breakthrough. He wants you to persist and push and chase. He wants you to get fierce with this lie framework that is holding you in place. For some of you, it's choosing again. Don't let it push you down because your identity does not change. Who you are has not changed. Who God is has not changed. So it's my prayer here that with that truth and with that reality and the fact that He's done it all, that you can, you can choose now for that breakthrough because we still have a choice. We want to break off now in Jesus' name the lie that says that my breakthrough isn't coming. We break that lie off in Jesus' name. As a starting point, your breakthrough is coming in Jesus' name. Now, that's done. Your breakthrough is coming in Jesus' name. Your breakthrough is coming in Jesus' name. And your value means that just because it's coming doesn't mean the enemy is not going to come back. These might be thought, you call them thought habits. Sometimes that is the enemy trying to derail you and push you back under that net. But the net is not who you are. The net is the attempt to keep the enemy from living the life that he has for you. Yeah, awesome. It's good. Hmm. Fiery darts get shot at us. That's why we wear armour. Don't wear the armour to contain sin inside you. You wear armour to protect what's coming from the outside. So I want to do this. I want us to put our hand on our head. Like the devil said, did God really say? And like Simon just said, I, I just rebuke right now the lie. Is God really that good? Could he really do this? Could I really be healed? Whatever it is. The lies that have plagued us, the addictions that have plagued us, the thought patterns that have plagued us, they are not who you are. It's not the way God sees you. I just, I just rebuke right now condemnation, guilt and shame and the goodness and the kindness of God will just flood this place right now. We're just, if, if you need to leave, feel free to leave, but we're going to stay in this moment for a bit. Holy Spirit, right now come. I, rebu- I rebuke depression over this region, over this church over the mindsets of your people, God, that the mind of Christ would prevail. I I rebuke anxious thoughts. As we sang it this morning, why would I worry if you clothe the lilies and you clothe the, the flowers and you give food to the sparrows? Why would I worry about what I have? Why would I worry about where my money comes from? I rebuke that right now. Rebuke that lie. I'm really sensing, I'm just going to keep praying, but I'm sensing there are people in here that you you actually need to make a commitment to the Lord. And uh, maybe you've been a Christian and uh, maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't actually know what it means. You're like, I want to meet this Jesus, this kind Jesus. Or I've been a Christian my whole life, but I don't know the kindness of God. And I'd, I'd love to actually invite you to, to, to pray with me. I, I don't usually do an altar call like this. Um, but if that's you, could I just have every eye closed right now? 
And I'd love you just to, to put your hand up if you want to receive Jesus or you want to recommit your life and just you're going, hey, I just I need to do that. I need to just draw a line in the sand right now and say, I'm all in. I've been dipping my toes in or or you are like, hey, I want to actually give my life to Jesus. I need the I need my heart transformed from sinful heart to a righteous heart. So I'm in right standing with with the God that created me. If that's you, I want you just to throw your hand up so only I can see it. Awesome. You can put it down once you've done that. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. again if you want to. Hey, let's just pray. I just, uh, just everyone pray together. Just that person that just put their hand up, you just pray this with your heart. So thank you, Jesus. You guys pray with me. Just repeat. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me right now. I draw a line in the sand. I'm all in. Come and consume me. Fill me with your love. Again and again and again. Renew my mind to think like you think. Show me your kindness every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, awesome. We're just going to have some prayer time. Um, I don't know how to end this. <laughs> ah, thank you, Lord. What if the reality of your life could live in the exact way that Jesus lived when he was beaten, bruised, neglected, hated, his own friend betrayed him and he could look at that crowd and say, Father, I'm not offended. Not woe is me. Not that world. They should be punished for what they are going to do. But Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue of who they are or what they're doing. What if that reality was actually available to us? Because it is. That we can live in that reality right now. Because that Romans 12 verse isn't a verse for sometime later when we all get to heaven. It's a reality for right now. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. You don't, you don't pray that prayer when you're in heaven. There is no patterns of this world. <laughs> That's a verse for right now. So what if that was available? That is available. All right. I'm going to close, but we're going to have some prayer people up the front. If you want to, if you want to pray, you need some prayer, specific prayer. Uh, maybe a few of the leaders, Andrew and Joyce, and if you're still around, you guys can come up. Simon, you're going to pray for people, bub. What do you guys do? Different colouring. Who? What is it? God. I'm a child of God. Awesome. That'll do. All right, Father, put your hand on your head again. Right now, help. Just repeat after me. Say, help this mind to think like you. All right, put the hand on the person next to you. Say, they need it more, Jesus. No, no. (laughs) Uh, Help them, Lord. Get them, God. May this week our minds be so renewed that we think like you think. And may when when we're in the boat again, May our hearts not be hardened and may we learn what you are saying and what you are doing so we can distribute the loaves and the fishes to the people that need it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Awesome.